Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Underdogs. The bracket is out. Selection Sunday is in the rearview mirror. The giant killers are on the board. On this here podcast, we are mourning the North Texas mean green machine losing to Louisiana Tech. It was awful. It was brutal to watch because for the same reasons we love Coach McCaslin and the North Texas mean green, it was tough to watch them try to come back in that game by playing super slow and conservative. And they did not make the tournament. So I'm sorry to all the listeners there who were ready to jump on the mean green machine bandwagon and they lost. So that is brutal. You think it's like a Madden curse? Like we, we had the coach on, we raved about the team, and that was the peak. Like, yeah, it's almost like from the moment they talked to us, it was all downhill. And it's just the tip of the iceberg because as we go through these games, the number of times we ended up with some lame, generic team from a power from a weak conference instead of a beautiful, risk-seeking, crazy underdog. It's it, they just decimated our field this year. Yeah, are you talking we, about are you talking about Providence already? <laughs> <laughs> wow, here we go. <laughs> well, we 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 loved Florida. They're gone. Texas A&M makes a strong run, gone. North Texas, gone. We did get UAB, which is nice. We did get UAB, but there's there's Mississippi State, Furman, all of these textbook giant killers. They lost early in their conference tournaments or the committee did not like them and they go to the NIT. So, with that being said, we have the bracket here. First blush, first impressions here, Jordan. What do you think about this bracket from the perspective of Cinderella's and Giant Killers? It is not flush with Giant Killing opportunities. Certainly not along the lines of what we saw last year. There's a number of reasons for that. Most notably, we're in a somewhat normal college basketball season. Right. It wasn't COVID interrupted. So in general, we have a better idea of who's good and who's not. Teams have not been thrown into chaos themselves by starting and stopping and starting and stopping, and you never know when you're going to practice, and you played a full schedule. So presumably, the committee did a better job of letting teams in the field who were deserving and seeding them in the right way. Right. I was going to ask you if you guys think there's something to this idea that extra years of eligibility because of the pandemic helped mid-majors, relatively speaking. UAB, as an example has a really veteran team. A lot of the mid-majors who were very successful this year have returning or fifth-year players. And we saw a lot of these teams get seeded in, actually seeded into lines too high to be a giant killer in the first round. There's a lot of mid-majors in the 7, 8, 9, 10 lines. And I don't know whether that's just coincidence or where they really were boosted by being the kinds of teams that would get extra help from having extra players for an extra year. I don't know because you also had the transfer portal and you had a lot of grad transfers going to the high major conference teams as well. It's funny, a lot of these teams that rely on one and done or two and done talent were able to bring in almost these free agent veterans 
to sort of supplement their yeah, roster. It, it sometimes doesn't help uh, teams get into the tournament like uh, Wake Forest. You know, we get the ACC Player of the Year, Lonis Williams, and still we didn't get a, a chance to get into the tournament, which I'm still bitter about, by the way. I'm still very bitter. And they didn't even get a number one seed in the NIT. Never mind. Moving on. Moving when on. When is well, our like, NIT pod, Tom? Or is that next week? <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be on the dark web. We're just gonna post the dark web for all the. <laughs> no, let, let me out there. let me say this. I didn't watch all those Dayton games for nothing. Okay, whether whether you care to join me or not, I'll be broadcasting something about the NIT <laughs> from my basement, and uh, it, it will it will go out. Well, like to look to last year, right? Jordan, you hit on it. Last year, we saw Oral Roberts beat Ohio State a 15 over a two. Abilene Christian over Texas a 14 over three. You had North Texas over Purdue, Ohio over UVA in the 13 over four matchups. Then you had Oregon State over Tennessee in the 12 over five. And then 11 over six, we had Cuse. We had UCLA beating BYU. That was like, what, seven giant killer upsets in the first round last year. And of course, a few of those teams made actual runs. There are a couple exciting potential Cinderella teams in this tournament, and we're going to get go through them all. Um, but in general, I kind of feel like we lost a lot of giant killer potential with North Texas, with Furman, with, um, with you know Mississippi State and, and Florida, of course. But we still have some matchups here that we really like. And I want to break it down region by region, starting with, let's just go with our, our most in- exciting potential upset by the seed. We'll go to the South. The South with Michigan and Colorado State. Vegas actually favors the Michigan Wolverines in this game, even though they are the 11 seed. And we agree, right? Michigan should absolutely be favored. It's not really an upset if Michigan wins. Yeah, our model thinks that that Michigan has almost a 60% chance of beating Colorado State. Let's run through the reasons why. Colorado State isn't any better than Michigan. Our model actually thinks Michigan's a better team. Colorado State is a weak, weak giant. They play slow, for example, and, and they don't get offensive rebounds. And so I know they've only lost five games, but when you see them go down, a couple of games where they've gone down, it's very, very hard for them to climb back into games. There was some nightmare games against UNLV, for example. Meanwhile, Michigan is, is kind of become a classic value play. People are acting like Jawan Howard's behavior is a predictive analytic. Now, Michigan has had its ups and downs, but it's basically retained its key strength of offensive rebounding, which is really important for a killer. So, you know, you put together the basic strengths with their characteristics as giants and killers and what Michigan still does well, even when it has one of its many off nights. And this game is at least 50-50. Right. And and this is one of those classic things where it's not that we love Michigan as a giant killer per se. And quite frankly, they're not a great team. This is purely a misseeding situation. And we've Mm. seen this in our history a few times. we, we, We ran some numbers and in our database, there are 11 occasions where the uh, worst-seeded team is favored in a first-round game, and nine times that team won outright. So Vegas has a wow. sense of how these teams match up. And at least if you, if you believe in history, things bode really well for Michigan. Yeah, all of the most similar games in the tournament going back to 2007, six out of the top ten, the underdog won. So... You know, it's not Colorado State's fault that it's a generic, overseeded giant, but that's the breaks. 
it's it's just as well because other would-be underdogs in this region have gotten destroyed by the matchups that they are going to have to face. UAB is a fine killer in its own right, but it has to go up against Houston. Houston, in, in a year where the, the selection committee managed to give St. Mary's a five, right? Looked like it was respecting mid-majors more. Somehow Houston, which our statistical model says is the second best team in the entire country, gets get seat, like, get seated fifth right, right. in this region. And, and it's not like we're on an island here. Ken Palm has them fourth in the country. So it, I know they didn't play a ton of teams outside of the conference. I mean, that's ridiculous. I hate this. I hate this for the fans. Like UAB should be making a run in any nine times out of 10 in a tournament. They're going to have a better matchup than facing a five seed who, who might be really a number one seed. Houston and here's what's annoying. Game. There are like three other places in the bracket. I'd love to put UAB as a 12, like against any other five. We'd have some real chaos potential. Yeah, I'm pouring one out for for UAB's chances here because, uh, man, they would have been so exciting as, as a Cinderella team if they weren't playing probably the best five seed ever. I mean, Houston's probably the best five seed we've ever seen in, in the tournament, right? Like, come on, that's ridiculous that they're at a five seed. And I should note here, um, not just about the first round, but if UAB does take down Houston... Like that's that's a huge upset in in general. Like it's a twelve five, but really it's like a twelve over one upset by our numbers. <laughs> if they do manage to pull that off, Houston's team has the bug before the game. A guy gets injured, but they they somehow pull off the upset against Houston. Like UAB can make a run here, especially in those five twelve matchups. If you're going to take them to win one game, take them to win another, and they'd have a really good shot uh, in making a Sweet Sixteen run at that point. Yeah, I think, I mean, they'd probably end up playing Illinois, right? And against Illinois, they'd have something like a 32% chance, according to our model, of winning. Jordan's right. right. Once, you, once you knock off the five, you may as well knock off the four. There's another matchup, which we're looking forward to in the second round. Like I said before, a lot of the interesting mid-majors were seeded into the seven to 10 lines, which means they're potentially better killers in the second round than the killers we're looking at in the first round. Loyola, Loyola Chicago, could easily make the second round and go on a run from this region. But even they got a bad matchup in Villanova, right? You wanted them playing sort of a, a stylistically different squad that they could really mess with their slow pace and, and all those sort of things. Villanova seems kind of built to handle a Loyola-style game. Yeah, it's a sign of our desperation that we're looking <laughs> forward to games against Villanova for potential giant killings. <laughs> Um, now, the Villanova fans always get upset with us because we note that Villanova plays this high-risk, high-reward style as a giant. They've won national championships. They've also had a couple of big upsets, but not in the first round, right? But in the second round, who knows? But yeah, I- I'm really looking forward to the 36-34 to 34 breaking North Texas's record for fewest points scored uh, Loyola-Villanova game. That-, that will be a real barn burner. To wrap up here, Michigan... Colorado State. Definitely circle that one on your bracket and keep an eye on UAB if they somehow pull this off in the first round. Moving on. Let's go west. This is Gonzaga. This is Duke. This is Texas Tech and Arkansas as the top four seeds in the west. There are some giant killer opportunities here. Let's start off with Vermont against Arkansas. Yeah, it's not a great upset region in general. This is our likeliest first round upset, and and our model gives it about a 29% chance of happening. Vermont 
typically profiles what we call a schoolyard bully, where they are designed to beat up on their conference. They don't play a real risk-seeking style. Their center, I use that term loosely, is 6'8", 250, and their next biggest guy is 6'6", 210. They're geared toward beating other teams in their conference. They do add a wrinkle this year, though. They shoot threes. They shoot a lot of threes, 43% of their shots. They make 37% of them. So instead of just relying on defensive rebounding and not forcing turnovers, which is great against a weaker team because you're not making mistakes, they have this added weapon against a good team where if they get hot from beyond the arc, they have that shooter's chance. Arkansas is a really good team. Arkansas does a lot of things well. They win the turnover battle. They win the rebound battle. They're, they're above average in all those areas. The interesting thing about Arkansas, they don't shoot it well for beyond the arc at all. Just over 30%, in fact. So you could see if this game is going to be an upset, it's going to be one where Vermont's able to get off a lot of threes, and they get hot, and they pack it in on defense and force Arkansas to shoot a lot of threes, and they shoot like Arkansas. I don't like picking against Arkansas in general. I think, again, they have a, a really good statistical profile, but our model sees some chances for this to happen. I'd like to see the Vermont upset just to be able to go back and watch some Taylor Coppenrath highlights. Can we do that? <laughs> Can we make that happen? TJ Sorrentine. <laughs> that cut, was a fun deep team. Cut. Deep cut. So that's our top upset chance. The other one that's probably worth a, at least a look is Alabama against the winner of the Rutgers-Notre Dame game. And that is not because these are good giant killers. Yeah, our model isn't super excited about any of the possibilities. It's not really excited about any of the teams either. It gives Rutgers about a 26% chance of beating Alabama, Notre Dame about 22%. Alabama is like a slightly better version of Rutgers in that they've had crazy good wins over Gonzaga, Baylor, Tennessee, Arkansas, Houston, and they lost to Iona, Missouri, Georgia, Davidson. They're up and down. They're all over the place. They turn the ball over a lot, almost 20% of possessions. They let teams rebound, offensive rebound 31% of the time. So there's some giant weaknesses there. But Rutgers, also all over the place. They beat Purdue, Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois. They lost to DePaul, Lafayette. UMass. They play slow, which is good, but they don't really play with any variance. They don't take a lot of threes. They don't force a lot of turnovers. They offensive rebound only slightly better than national average. So they don't have a lot of weapons going for them. Notre Dame at least shoots a lot of threes, take about 43% of their shots from deep, but they play really conservative style. They don't trace the offensive boards at all. They don't pressure on defense at all, so they don't force turnovers. So they don't have a lot of weapons going for them. I will say that our similarity scores give both of these teams hope. Um, three of the 10 most similar games to Alabama Rutgers in their database ended in an upset. Four of the 10 most similar ones to Notre Dame, Alabama ended in an upset. But it, this is not one I, I love. Again, about a 25% chance of, of each of these happening. Yeah, but like Rutgers, the reason why they're in this tournament period is because they have a lot of quad one wins. And so if you want to get excited about Rutgers, if they do beat Notre Dame here to take down Alabama, there's there's some precedent for them doing this this season. Is They, they have some terrible losses. But they also have some really good wins. I mean, that's something you have to think about because nobody will tell you that on Selection Sunday. Selection Sunday is all about the record of work already amassed. But going forward... Who cares about your bad losses? As we've said many times, if you do what it takes to give yourself a chance to win in the tournament, which Rutgers clearly can, it doesn't really matter if you lose by 40 or lose by four because you're going home either way. So in a weird way, the inconsistency of a team that's an underdog 
is a help going forward, even though it makes it very hard for it to get an appropriate seed on Well, on right, and, and I guess the part I'm having trouble with is I'm not really sure why Rutgers has pulled off so many big wins, unless you just look at it as saying conference play is different because they just don't do the things we typically associate with big upsets. The interesting thing is Alabama is like a better version of Rutgers. A bunch of huge wins, I think four against Ken Palm top 10 teams, and some weaker losses as well. So uh, an Alabama-Rutgers game would just be one of the strangest games to forecast I've seen. Okay. Duke, Cal State Fullerton. I'm not saying Coach K is going to go out in another upset in the first round, but is there anything here? Is there anything here about um, Gonzaga losing to a 16 Georgia State or Duke losing to Cal State Fullerton? All of these upset chances for these top three seeds are really, really low. If you're looking for something to jump on to why Duke might lose, the uh, third most similar game in our model was the 2014 Duke-Mercer game. I've completely forgotten what happened in that one. I, uh, <laughs> I draw a blank. I think that might have ended poorly. However, the other nine games in the 10 most similar, uh, the higher seed won by an average of 30 points per 100 possessions. So there's not a lot going here. And in fact... Even the 12-5 in this region is lame because we ended up with New Mexico State. We could have had beautiful Abilene Christian out of the whack. Abilene Christian forced more than 60 turnovers in three conference tournament games. New Mexico State, on the other hand, is legendary for basically building big teams that lumber around, do pretty well in the conference and then go get destroyed by bigger, stronger versions of themselves. That's what Alabama Rutgers will look like. It'll look like Rutgers playing its big brother or bigger cousin. And those teams always get blown out in the tournament. Uh, New well, Mexico State. Why, why must the committee hate us? Like, we just launched this podcast and they right. match up New Mexico State against UConn. And, and, and not only, well, not only is New Mexico State just perfectly bland as a killer, although I will say they do rebound at both ends. UConn's the best offensive rebound team in the country. Right. So they've got that buffer of safety. When they're not shooting well, they go get their own misses. So that's a huge missed opportunity for a 12-5 as well. And, and it's, you know, it doesn't get much better in the West in the second round. I don't think our model gives any potential second round giant killing matchup better than a 20% chance of, of coming to fruition. So I, I don't feel like this is the region for upsets. One thing we see is the kind of reverb effect of bad losses of killers in conference tournaments because if a team like North Texas loses or even like Abilene Christian loses, worse teams flood into the 16 and 15 lines, which means we get worse teams and worse killers going all the way up to 13 mm. and 12. New Mexico State shouldn't be a 12. I mean, come on. I, I'd like to start pushing now that next year we are in the bracket selection room and we get like five vetoes of matchups. What do you think? Yeah, because UAB Houston, terrible five twelve matchup for up upset probabilities because Houston's so strong. Even though UAB is a really sexy giant killer, and on this side we have New Mexico State and, and UConn. Everyone loves to pick the the twelve over the five typically, but this so far not a strong start from that perspective. Real quick, let's say Davidson, everyone's favorite uh, Steph Curry giant killer Cinderella run. If they beat Michigan State in the first round and they play against the team down the street uh, against Duke, um, Is that th the model doesn't like that one either. You're, you're just really hunting for opportunities for Duke to lose. But <laughs> yes. if you're not, because as usual, they got screwed with a much tougher than deserved bracket because the committee hates them. 
Uh, wait a minute. Do what? Stop. Wait a minute. No. What? Duke could have been on the fourth line, and it would have been okay. I mean, you go if you go back and look at how is Tennessee how, a three seed or a two seed. I'm just asking. Tennessee's. You go back and look at how often three is the answer to that question. If you look at how little times Duke's quadrant has blown up and given them a fortuitous path to the the Final Four, it's because there's a clear conspiracy against Duke for the last 42 years. College basketball Illuminati coming soon from Jordan Brenner. But yeah, Davidson only about a 15% chance of beating Duke, according to our model. Sorry to burst your bubble, Tom. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Maybe you think the Celtics aren't so great. Maybe you think minus 200 is not a fair price for them to win the East. Maybe you're looking at an underdog in the West, like Dallas or Minnesota. Either way, hop on the DK Sportsbook app. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code LAF. That's code LAF for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, all right, all right. Next, Midwest, uh, maybe our favorite giant killer in this whole entire field is in the Midwest. Iowa State, 11 seed, going against LSU, number six seed. What's their coach situation? Do they even have a coach right now? Like, what, what's going on here? Uh, you know, the thing about giant killers and underdogs is it's great to get them when no one else is paying attention, right? And did anyone watch what Iowa State did against Texas Tech in the Big 12 tournament? Uh, they got destroyed. They got blown out. But their case is very straightforward. Um, it's simpler than for a few of the teams Jordan was talking about. Iowa State forces turnovers on just about 25% of opponent possessions. And you can go a long way in the tournament just on that. They also have a top 10 efficient, most efficient defense in the country. But the key thing is if you play slow and you grab an offensive rebound every now and then just to keep the other team honest – and you get a lot of turnovers, you can throw Giants off their strides. Giants and overdogs, if you will, since I know you guys love that term, love love to play on cruise control. You know, they love to not have to look back. And the thing that you can do probably of, of anything we've looked at to most disrupt a big favorite is to just knock the ball away from them constantly. That's what Iowa State does. And to make things even more tasty, there's a team that is 304th in the country on throwing the ball away, that turns the ball over on its own an average of more than 20% of the time. And that's Iowa State's opponent, LSU. 
Well, this is so crazy because they're almost mirror images of each other because Iowa State throws the ball away yes. 300th yes. in the country, 20.4%. And LSU forces even more turnovers than Iowa State. They're second in the nation. So basically, this is going to be like the fifth grade basketball game I was at the other night where every possession was just a turnover. Which helps the underdog, right? We want chaos. The agent of chaos and this is just taking care of the ball. And Iowa State in this matchup, like we, we like this. This game could be disgusting, though. (laughs) Even in losing by 30 points to Texas Tech, Iowa State grabbed 15 turnovers. Well, they beat Texas Tech earlier this season at home. So, like, this is the wide variance that we want. They go out and they beat Iowa earlier this season. They beat Texas Tech. They beat Texas. All really good teams. And then they also get blown out by Texas and Texas Tech. So huge variance on Iowa State's ledger. But in one-and-done scenarios in in the tournament, you want to bet for variance with these underdogs. So Iowa State versus LSU. Normally, I, I'm, I I like LSU as a team, but against Iowa State, there's going to be enough chaos here to really like them to pick Yeah, I, Iowa State is a chaotic team. I mean, they didn't lose a game before Christmas. Then they had a losing streak of four games, and they had a winning streak of four games. Now they're on another losing streak of three games. All right, so Iowa State, we love. And we normally would love to bet against Providence. They're the four seed but they're going against South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits. And I feel like the public is going heavy on the Jackrabbits in this matchup. Peter, I don't like this matchup either. For our giant killing opportunities here, I would much rather another team than South Dakota State. Yeah, how many twists and turns can matchups and also the legalization of gambling take us on, right? Normally, we'd love to bet against Providence because they're overseeded and they're generic and they're not a good giant for all the reasons we've talked about. And at the same time, normally we would talk about South Dakota State as one of those teams Jordan referenced as a schoolyard bully. They are built to dominate their conference. And would and they Which and they, they did. Totally <laughs> succeeded. And along the way, they built the best shooting team in the country. However, they play at a very fast clip. And teams like that almost never beat superior teams once tournament time comes. So we wouldn't like either of these teams, and now we have them facing each other in a matchup. And so the next factor that comes into play is how much the public likes South Dakota State. I've seen implied odds of a 45% chance of an upset in, in some betting lines. Why is this? Is it because when you go to Kempom, there's a shiny little number one next to South Dakota State's effective field goal percentage? Is it because... Their mascot is the Jackrabbit. Yeah, I love Jackrabbits. That's I feel like if they were the the Wildcats or some bland name, no one would be picking South Dakota State. Well, I think it's I think they see their record, but I also think they've heard people like us trashing Providence for weeks. So people came into this tournament prepared to pick against whoever is playing Providence. But I actually think that presents value in going with Providence here. The line's only three points, and for all of Providence's statistical weaknesses. And for all the disjunction between their seed versus where they rank in our basic power rankings, where they rank in Ken Palm, they're still a better team than South Dakota State. And if there's no value in picking an upset here, if you're not going to get past the field at all, and if there's only a three-point line, I'm going to bet Providence. And I hate saying that because I don't think they're any good, but I'm still going to do it. I see a value play here. Now, my question is then, does that same logic hold for Wisconsin, who... Now, I know it's the style they play. We're not, again, we're not blaming coaches or players assuming your team sucks. Although in this case, maybe they do. 
But Wisconsin ranks 250th in the country in offensive rebounding. Our model has put a target on their back for quite a while. At the same time, Colgate, their opponent, is another one of these risk-averse small conference championship winning teams that pile up a lot of wins and tend to get overvalued by fans and analysts trying to pick the next trendy long shot. So what do we do there? Here's what, here's what I like about Colgate. They shoot threes a lot, 42% of their shots. They could probably dial up that even more. And they're the second best three-point shooting accuracy team in the country. They hit 40% of their threes. So again, shooters chance alone, if they get hot from deep, they can give Wisconsin a lot of problems. But that's the same yeah. argument for South Dakota State, though. In- well, uh, are you saying I'm contradicting myself? Because if so, yes, I <laughs> Well, am. no, I, I, I think South Dakota State has a lot more room to expand. They don't take a ton shooting, of threes. They right? just are really to good. To open it up. Yeah, I'm just. Yeah. Well, but I'm also not saying that this is a super likely upset. All I'm saying is that the Providence South Dakota State one is seeming like a toss up to the public. So you're really not getting any edge in picking that upset. Whereas I would imagine if you're looking to do something against the grain, there's some value in picking Colgate. Yes. Does that make sense? Am I making, am I making any sense? Yes, but I, I think that um, I think we've seen a very smart schoolyard bully in Vermont who's always been good at shooting threes try to take a lot more long-distance shots once they get to the tournament. And they kept it close against Purdue 2017. They kept it close against Florida State in 2019, but they couldn't quite win because of what you're talking about, the difference in basic strength between the teams. And if Vermont can't pull it off, I have a tough time seeing Colgate pull it off. I like Colgate here for the upset, 14 over three. We need a couple of those in this in this bracket. The other one I want to touch on is Richmond, Iowa, because when you have Richmond 12 seed over a five, what is what is the model say about that matchup, Richmond and Iowa? Does it like any of these 12 five matchups? You know, we haven't talked a lot about Richmond, the surprise winner in the A-10, but they're not a bad they're not a bad giant killer. Um, Surprisingly enough to the rest of the country and the rest of the field, you know, we always thought that Richmond and of course, also Dayton and VCU <laughs> were better suited for a tournament run than Davidson in the first place. They kind of have some stuff going for them. Yeah. So like if they do beat Iowa in this matchup, they might be playing Providence and then you like them too there, right? Like if Richmond plays Providence in a 12-4 matchup, Richmond does some things that could really take down Providence. Yeah. That's one of those ones I was talking about where if you're going to take them once, you might as well take them twice. The, the tougher matchup for them is that first game. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like Iowa State would face Wisconsin. Richmond would face Providence. Those are much weaker giants than LSU and Iowa. I mean, the the only bad thing about this scenario is is that, again, Richmond drew a very tough team in Iowa as as their five-seeded opponent. But this this is definitely an example if they could just break through to the second round. These these killers could make the Sweet 16. All right, so just to recap here, people are going to be – all over this upset of South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits beating Providence. But we're trying to stay away from that, right? We don't think it's nearly as close as people are making it out to be. So we're actually zagging here. People are really loving that that giant killer matchup, but we're going to zag here, right? I think it's the smart play. Yeah, I don't think there's value left. Fascinating. I can't believe this. Providence was such a juicy upset. I know. Now we have to like take Providence here? What a, what a heel turn. Dude, we've been... We've been- Trashing them for a month. I, I feel dirty. Let me, let me say this. If Providence had only 
been seeded to play Richmond in the first round. A reasonable 5-12 matchup, right? Yeah. Richmond, Richmond, according to our model, would have had a 39% chance to pull off the upset. Providence. All these teams, I'm like, I'm like, we're banging the drum on like Providence is overrated, overrated. And now we're picking them against the team that's like the best offensive team in the country. We're like, actually, Providence is probably better. There's the edges on Providence there. All right. Let's move on to the final region here east. Um, the ACC champ, Virginia Tech. They're, they're coming out of this bracket against number six seed, Texas, the Longhorns. I don't think that's a pick em. I mean, Vegas DraftKings right now hasn't basically had a pick em. Um, I would take Virginia Tech in this matchup. And the Giant Killer rating here, uh, what's the potential here for, a, for an upset? Model really likes it. Gives it about a 39% chance of happening. And it's not that our model sees ACC champion and has recency bias. There's a bunch of reasons that have nothing to do with how hot Virginia Tech has been, why this is likely. Start with our similar games model. Four of the five most similar games in our database ended in upsets. Seven of the ten most likely ended in upsets. So there's precedent right there. Then you have style of play. Texas with Chris Beard at the helm, they play slow. Now they force a lot of turnovers, that gives them some outs, but they're a bad defensive rebounding team. Meanwhile, Virginia Tech is a slow, balanced, and a great three-point shooting team. They take 41% of their shots from deep. They hit 39% of their threes. And that's where this game might be decided because Texas actually is great at denying threes. They only let uh, 33% of their opponent's shots come from beyond the arc. So that's going to be a really interesting stylistic battle. But Texas just doesn't do any of the things we want Giants to do other than forcing turnovers to separate themselves from a, a lesser team. So Virginia Tech, at the very least, should be able to hang in with Texas. And they've shown that they have the ability to, in a close game, shoot their way to victory. I, I would I would add that these are two of the very slowest teams in the country. Um, I believe they rank 344th and 345th in possessions per game. So that in itself favors the underdog because it's going to be very hard to shake Virginia Tech, especially because Jordan, like Jordan just said, you know, if they go down by four or six points, they can hit a couple of threes very easily. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a slog and you can see how a slow killer that can score in bunches can really frustrate um, any any overdog. I mean, that this is. I mean, Virginia Tech's kind of kind of built to be a really irritating opponent. I mean, as everybody saw in the ACC tournament. Yeah, they beat they beat Carolina seventy two to fifty nine. Held them to fifty nine points. They beat Duke. Held them to sixty seven points. So again, slow paced game. Able to shoot the heck out of the ball. This is not an 11 seed, in my opinion. So Virginia Tech, Texas, talked about that. What about St. Mary's? So last week I talked about St. Mary's and how they're a potential vulnerable giant. People think St. Mary's. They think, oh, they're going to make a deep run because they've made Cinderella runs before. But now as the number five seed against potentially Indiana or Wyoming, I feel like this is actually a pretty right matchup for an upset here against St. Mary's. So it's weird. Like you said, we've been wanting to pick against St. Mary's. Unfortunately... They ended up in a situation where they're going to play either Indiana or Wyoming. And in our model, we have something we call our secret sauce, which basically takes a giant killing team and either increases or decreases their chances based on how many giant killing characteristics they have. Well, in the entire field this year, the two worst secret sauces 
of any teams that could be playing a giant killing matchup are Indiana and Wyoming, and they're playing each other, and one of them is going to play St. Mary's. So this is another situation where we got screwed by the potential matchup if you like upsets. That said, our model still does give Indiana about a 32% chance of beating St. Mary's. It's only about 19% for Wyoming. In Wyoming's favor, there is some history. The tourney games in our database, most similar to this one, a bunch ended in upset. You had Temple versus Cornell in 2010, New Mexico versus Harvard 2013, Wisconsin versus Oregon in 2019, and Wisconsin versus UNLV in 2007. Those were the four most similar games to them on an upset. The next six went the other way. But again, this is not a situation where we have a 12 seed we love to really threaten St. Mary's. If you're betting this game, it's more just going against St. Mary's regardless of who they're playing. And so you know who that helps in the long run. UCLA has to face Akron in the first round. And Akron's a fun team, shoots a lot of threes, but they're about the 150th best team in the country. And then UCLA will have to face either St. Mary's or one of these weak killers that Jordan's talking about, Wyoming or Indiana. So that's a pretty interestingly uh, simple and straightforward path for UCLA. Well, and they deserve it because they're another team that's got screwed in seeding. They should have been a three. They got stuck with a four, and they deserve an easier road. Do you guys see the uh, the second round possibility looming in this region? Again, these mid-majors who didn't get seeded low enough to be a killer in the first round, some of them are lurking in the second round. And one of our favorite killers in the whole field, Murray State, seven seed, could well end up playing Kentucky in the second round. The Bluegrass uh, it's State. A, it's, yeah. a, it's a Kentucky showdown. We think that Murray State does everything right. Yeah, it's interesting. Our model gives them a 42% chance of winning. I did like a triple take when I saw that. The The interesting thing in this game is Murray State's best quality of many good ones is their offensive rebounding. They're 11th in the country, about almost 36% of their misses. Kentucky has Oscar Shibway, who is a one-man wrecking crew on the boards. So I'm just not sure how well that's going to hold up. But I do love that you know Murray State doesn't just rely on offensive rebounds. They force a lot of turnovers. They take care of the ball. They take care of the defensive glass. And they're just a good team at both ends of the floor. They're well-deserving of that seven seed. Granted, they're going to have to get by a good San Francisco team to even force this bluegrass matchup. But there's a lot of interesting things to enjoy if this comes to fruition. Yeah, they're a good example of a good team that is augmented precisely in the ways you want. Uh, it's the team's statistical profile to look as a giant killer. But you're right. It's tough to out-rebound the biggest rebounders, you know, it's like, like we talked about before, it's like playing your big brother. Murray State has a lot more going for it than offensive rebounding, but yeah, now, now that you mention it, makes me want to go back to the lab and figure out how to include giant killing players in extreme circumstances. I want a Shibwe factor going forward. We got to do that. Yeah. So that's it. We just went through region by region, our favorite giant killers, just to recap by the model, which is the slingshot model. The Furman folks and Jordan and Peter have a, have a great series at the athletic where it breaks it all this down in detail. But to recap here, um, the number one biggest upset chance of all of these giant killer eligible games, which is essentially five seeds separating the two teams in the matchup. Uh, you have the Michigan over Colorado state. You have Iowa state number 11 seed over number six, LSU, uh, Virginia Tech, number 11 over number six, Texas. Number 12, if Indiana does win that game against St. Mary's, you guys really like that one as well. Uh, Vermont, 
over Arkansas. Again, Vermont seems like that team that just beats up the schoolyard bully, beats up its own conference, and then comes into the tournament and then kind of flatlines. That The model actually really likes that matchup too in a 13 over four. And for the rest of the top 10, you guys can go check out those articles on The Athletic. What is your favorite upset here that I didn't mention there? Anything else that you want to add in that second round? I'll throw one in from the first round, which is that I've been looking and looking for a team that's just a small school that kind of came out of nowhere, surprised everybody during championship week and could still keep going. And the one that fits that category we haven't mentioned is Chattanooga. Uh, Chattanooga plays slow, hits a lot of threes, and it could throw a scare into a giant. I've got my eye on uh, on Virginia Tech around later, too. If they can, can get by that first-round game, they play most likely Purdue. Our model gives that about a 35% chance of happening. I keep talking about teams that if you pick and win one upset, take them to the Sweet 16, and that's one to keep an eye on. I'll, I'll say I'm kind of interested in what you guys have to say. We love chalking tournament this time of year, so hit us up on Twitter. I'm at, at Jordan Brenner. Peter at Peter Keating NJ, and of course Tom Haberstro at Tom Haberstro. That's uh, that's NJ is in New Jersey, and where is Fairleigh Dickinson this year? I mean Seth Greenberg, big TV star. He should be donating and building up the program. What 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 the hell? Harvard happened? on the Hackensack, that's, as he calls well, it. Well, right? that's what they used to be known as. But where's where's FDU? Where's FDU? All right. Well, let's let's just note here for the record that Rutgers is in this tournament had no business being in this tournament. <laughs> so there's your big New Jersey. Wait a minute. Wait influencing, a minute. Influencing the, the Wait a minute. St. Peter's from Jersey City is in the tournament. Don't pick them. That's don't, like, that's New York City. That's not even don't, I, I don't even count don't Jersey pick City. Them, but like, I mean, come on. You know, St. Peter's. Peter Kiss, the best name, the nation's leading scorer and a really obnoxious guy playing for Bryant. Bryant is the 16 seed if you want drama. Not if you want an upset, just drama. I generally stay away from Peters for many reasons, so I, I, I'll Wait, go. wait, don't, you can't do this. You can't do this, Peter. You can't say Bryant, you talk up Bryant, and then not pick them to beat Arizona. So they have to beat Wright State in the play-in, right, at the first four, and then they got to beat Arizona. Are you going to sit here on the Underdogs podcast and predict Bryant over Arizona 16 over one? Actually, Bryant is one of seven teams that play faster than Arizona. And in if you look at every game where Arizona's broken 80 possessions this year, they've won them all by an average of more than 30 points. So I will put in, if, if Bryant gets to play Arizona, I, I haven't looked at Vegas at all about this, but I'm going to put in uh, a, a spread. You, you, you guys can pick, whatever. I'll take the other side. 30. 30. Bryant, wow. Bryant plus 30 over Arizona. There's there's your underdog. All right. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends and go subscribe if you haven't already. Rate and review the Underdogs podcast as part of the Libertard and Friends Network. And we're here for you all throughout the tournament. In fact, on Friday and Saturday, we will be back with special podcasts recapping the first two days of the tournament and looking ahead to possible second round upsets for your betting pleasure. Until next time, enjoy the tournament.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.